Welcome to 12 Questions. This is Anna Valenzuela. Whoop, 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 whoop. Uh, we're surviving. It's hot as balls here in LA. And uh, I'm, I'm just really grateful to be here. I'm going to be very grateful if my cat doesn't scream into the microphone the entire podcast. Oh, you know he's, he's going to. He is want to do. Dave, what, uh, first off, I want to introduce my co-host, Mr. Dave Yates. Oh, that is my name. And I'm here. And we're doing it. We're doing the deal, guys. We're <laughs> what are you grateful for right now, dude? Uh, I just ate a big bowl of fucking ramen and I'm Ooh, crushing a, nice. a grapefruit bubbly. Uh, shout <sighs> out to uh, Buble. What do you know? Like bubbly? You don't like No, bubbly? I love a bubbly. My favorite, in fact, is if you have you tried the bubbly bounce, the bubbly mm, with yeah. caffeine. I get my caffeine like a good American should from black coffee. Um, so, and then I drink Red Bulls at shows exclusively because that's my little alcoholic treat to myself. When the drinks are free at the comedy club, I crush a sugar-free Red Bull like no one's business because they're free and they're usually expensive. It's very alcoholic. Like I'll have four sugar-free Red Bulls at a show after not touching an energy drink for like months. So yeah, um, so I'm just drinking a bubbly, no caffeine because uh, I don't need any more because I've been pounding cold brew all morning. Um, and fun fun fact about bubbly, uh, they're not our sponsor, uh, but... My friend who reviews whiskeys for Pace Magazine during the pandemic did a whole taste test, blind taste test of all the uh, carbonated flavored waters. Uh And he did grapefruit as the standard taste and grapefruit bubbly. Number one, number one in in, in this uh, this, uh, uh, refined palate's eyes, Jim Varel, Paste Magazine, good friend. Check them out. Stoked on that. Stoked on that. Um, Would you like to read our clarity statement? Sure. Welcome to 12 Questions. We believe that growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences with guests who do the same. We are not affiliated with AANA or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We're simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to give hope to anyone struggling. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more, our, more about ourselves and others. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves by listening. Yay! Yay, Dave. 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 We're doing it. Are you Excited. stoked on Are you stoked I on am. our guest for today? I am. I I, I love this guest. Uh, we haven't yeah. seen each other in the real world in a minute, uh, but she's a, a good friend of, of many a year. Uh, and guests introduce themselves. So, who are we speaking with today? My name is Martina Deeb, and I'm a person in sustained recovery. So, for me, what that means is I have not had a drink or a drug since June of 1994. Blam. Wow. Going deep. Anna, when did you get when did you get clean? Oh two. 
Oh shit! Anna's not the old timer anymore. I'm not. That <laughs> is <laughs> God, 95. I was getting arrested in 95. Damn! Like uh-huh. that's uh, that's amazing. Uh, I bow. I bow to your greatness. How, how are you? <laughs> how are you holding up in these streets well, right I was, now? I was three. So. You were three. I, honestly, you look younger than me. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> You look so young. It's very cute. I love this. But this uh, this is what I tell people. If you want to stay, I'll be in a meeting sometimes. I'll be like sharing. And I'll be like, if you want to, if you're young and you want to stay cute for as long as possible, just stay clean. Like mm. you don't have to relapse. Relapse is very bad for your skin. And uh, and that usually gets a little chuckle. And then they and they, but it's true. Hydrate, wear some sunblock, and uh don't try to die slowly. Um, and, and, and that usually works out. How are you holding up in these streets? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Uh, well, I actually, I'm also a, uh, a certified, uh, substance, substance use and alcohol counselor. And I work with people who struggle with problem gambling and family members as well. So it, yeah, it's getting a little grueling to be honest. Cause back when I was using, it was like, you'd hear, um, you know, there's this batch of heroin and it's killing people. And someone would be like, okay, do you have a car? You know, like, can we, can we get downstate? Can we possibly, I live in upstate New York. So it would be like, well, can we get down to white plains as fast as possible? You know, yeah. and it's not like that anymore. Cause now it's like, it's guaranteed. Like, like I said, like being in the field, um, I haven't seen, I was in a training today and we were discussing this. I haven't seen um, a heroin metabolite in a drug screen in a urine drug screen in probably three, six months. I've hmm. seen fentanyl, but I haven't seen a heroin metabolite. There's not real heroin anymore. I don't think. Wow. People, people are just using straight fentanyl and Whoa. most of our overdoses are coming from, um, adulterated cocaine. Hmm. So people maybe who don't know that they have fentanyl in their product yeah. or people who are um, have no opiate tolerance whatsoever are taking lethal doses. I think I heard that recently that there was there's bad coke going around New York City. Mm. Like like that's just uh, I mean, being in the comedy world, I mean, I've got many of friends that aren't sober and many of friends that are. And that's it's that is a real thing is that. I mean, if you're if you're tooting down lines, what you think is coke, and it's got a blast of fentanyl in it, you're fucking toast. Because mm-hmm. if I look at it this way, the way I used to do coke, it's just like I was doing as much as you had or would let me do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you you slap some fentanyl in that shit. You're, I mean, you, I would have been a goner. A hundred party. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 wild. There is uh, when I worked in treatment. Both Dave and I worked in treatment. It it as techs, not on the. Uh, not on the certified substance abuse counselor side. Um, God and- bless you guys. That's a that's a tough job. <laughs> oh, yeah. being, being told you're a piece of shit human being for not taking someone to a coffee bean because they're late to their fucking therapy appointment that feels good all the time with seven years clean and sober and and also then getting chewed out by your boss for not, not taking them on the back end too yeah. that's that's the other one that's that's mm-hmm. the one that killed me it was it wasn't so much the clients the clients are supposed to be squirrels that's their job yeah um they're supposed to have tantrums they're supposed to say horrible things uh that's that's where they're at uh but when i found oftentimes that the folks that work in the fields 
often need a lot of support outside of their jobs and maybe don't get that. That's my empathetic approach, you know, a little, little crazy because it is the emotional equivalent for many of us of running into a burning building. So it is, um, you know, it, it can be crazy making. The environment is crazy making and more power to you being out there. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that because there is, when I was working in treatment, we had a few former clients just when they were cutting heroin with fentanyl, just drop. And um, to know that, especially as, you know, our coworkers, comedians, et cetera, run out there to go party it up right now uh, because they're free from the confines of their home. You know, just if you're listening to this and you're not, you're, you're just, you're a 12 step curious person, you know, but be careful out in these streets. Cause yeah, get a, get a fucking, get a tester. I mean, honestly, that's why I tell people, I'm like, if you're going to do these fucking powders, uh, go buy a chemical tester. Yeah. If you, you just do it, just be smart about it. Like see if, and look, and it's like, look, if you're anything like me, even the knowledge of it being in there wouldn't have stopped me from doing it. But at least if you know what the fuck is in your product, you'll be able to use it in 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 a in a way that is less it's it's more risk averse you know i'm not saying right. I'm not, i have I'm them not. in the top drawer of my office yeah of my yeah. office desk yeah i've got fentanyl test strips gun locks um narcan dental dams and condoms I love it. You are the you're the kind of counselor I want to work with. Yes, because it's oh my gosh, it's the I actually, party office. That is the party office because that's being realistic. It really yeah. is. It's being yep. realistic, and it you know I have um uh that's it's very similar to an approach that I would I would take you know, and it's I, with um just with like what you had said dental dams and condoms and stuff. Mm. you know, like having, just having that shit around, like that is every place I ever worked on my desk, there was a little bucket of condoms. I go to the Planned Parenthood and be like, Hey, like, I want to make sure that there's something available. And my, my bosses would always look at me like I was crazy, but I was like, no, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather have this to happen than rehab babies, you know, yeah. like that's, and, you know, and don't pretend like these people aren't going to do it. That's why I brought it up. It's like, don't pretend like, yeah, people are going to be like, oh, there's fentanyl in, in the Coke. I'm not going to do the Coke. No, you're still going to do the Coke, but your head's going to go. It's not going to happen to me. That's yeah. The, the famous last words of every everyone is it's not it's not All this time us. and it's not going to happen to me. And that's I that that is that's even saying that now is like that's part of what surrender looks like for me. And that's our first question, Martina. What does surrender look like to you? Mm. So when you interviewed Carolyn Cooley, she talked about how that's changed over time Mm -hmm. for her. And that really, I think all of the questions that you guys ask are fluid, fluid questions. Mm -hmm. Definitely like you could ask on this day and it would Mm -hmm. be this answer, but in a year it'll be that answer, you know? So for me, surrender meant initially that I had to wrap my head around the concept that I am not a person who can drink safely or drugs safely without consequences, without serious and painful consequences, not just Mm -hmm. for me, but for people that I love and care about. Um, And as time's gone on, because really, when you think about it, I started around 11. I, I stopped when I was 18. I'm 46 now. So mm-hmm. I've had a lot more life outside of use than I've had in active use. Right. But that doesn't mean that um, I've had less crazy 
outside use than I've had in active use, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, um, a big piece of surrender has been knowing that like, there are times where I can do everything right, everything like the way that's prescribed and asked of me and follow directions perfectly. But the outcome is not always going to be the outcome that I would prefer or that I prayed for or that I asked Mm -hmm. for or that I most desire, you know? And um, yeah. And that's been when, when I realized that, you know, that um, filling those grief voids of things that I, that I felt like I wanted, but, but couldn't have um, wasn't going to, wasn't going to save me. It had to be something else. It had to be something a little bit bigger. Yeah. than that, you know, yeah. like um, having, having a baby was not going to cure um, my pain and grief from having miscarriages. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's to be present to that, especially I've, I've known some women that have gone through miscarriages and even, even not mm. knowing that's what was happening to their body. Cause they weren't aware that they were pregnant. It carries with it a certain amount of trauma and a certain yeah. amount of uh, loss and grief. And, you know, we talk about grief a lot on this podcast because we've both experienced a lot of grief and mm. um, I, I love to share in meetings about the process of grief because it is an unavoidable it is an unavoidable aspect of being a human. That's just mm. part of the human experience. And it is a feeling that will work you until you work it. It yes. will come for you. There is no, there is, there is no choice around that. We spend so much time trying to choose how we feel and when we feel it as addicts. And then to to deal with grief, which is just like, nope, we all get a turn. Everyone gets a turn, you know, mm. and to to have that happen. Let's so it's so powerful. Like it's so powerful that to, um, to express that, you know, cause sure. there's more miscarriage is super common. And, you know, and when it comes to issues of fertility, my, one of my, my homegirls I've known since I got clean, she's been trying to get pregnant and like mm. just issues of fertility. And it's so, it, it's so visceral, the feelings of, of, um, just pain and, you know, inadequacy. There's, there's so much involved. There's and so it can much bring involved. Up so much old stuff too. Cause mm-hmm. you know, when I was, when I was a teenager, I'd had an abortion and when I was active yeah. Yeah. and um, I had a, I had this huge uh, fertility infertility journey where there were several miscarriages and every time I was like, but I'm doing it right. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm avoiding like the, uh, non-pasteurized cheeses. I'm doing, I'm doing the exercise. I, you know, I'm not smoking. I'm doing everything that they say. I'm taking those stupid giant vitamins every single time. And every, I couldn't get past around like 14 weeks. Wow. And it was so, um, it was so frustrating and I was so angry all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and it definitely, that anger affected my quality of life. And it was when I realized that, okay, a baby isn't going to solve the grief of not being able to have a baby. There's more than this, you yeah. know? Yeah. I love that. I, and it is, it is crazy making. I remember when mm. I remember when I, I, I had some health problems. I've talked about a lot on this podcast. Um, 
uh, but I had some health problems with my uterus. I had these two massive fibroids in my uterus. You could like see them through uh. my clothes. That's how big they were, like huge. And um, I I had to obviously have them removed because I started to have a period every day of my life. Uh, and and it was it was and when I first started that process, I remember a doctor telling me just real casually, like, you know, we don't know if it's cancer, but we got to check. And then, you know, we don't know if you're gonna have a full hysterectomy or not. We'll see. We're just gonna get in there and figure it out. And um, and I had another we doctor. love uncertainty, right? We love it. I had another doctor, yeah, you know, best. tell me like, oh, you're 30. Five. Uh, why would you even have the surgery if you had a child tomorrow? It would have Down syndrome probably, and like all these medical baby, just the bedside manner. Uh, and I had all these moments where it was like going through the feeling of like, do I have um, the insanity of that system and the insanity of just wanting to solve a problem but being so powerless over it, and then the insanity of of dealing with like you know, making the conscious decision not to have children um, when I wasn't able to emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially, and then getting to mm. a point where it's like, oh, wait a minute, like this isn't infinite, you know, like this isn't an infinite opportunity. Um, yeah. And, and that, that whole feeling, that was so crazy. It was such an insane moment in my life. Like what, what has been the most insane moment you've had in or out of recovery? I was thinking about this question because I felt like it needed to be like a really good answer, you know, like it had to have a lot of grams of cocaine or like a handgun. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> and like ultimately like the, the, the most insane moments of my life is this like persistent, not all the time anymore. Not, um, you know, not daily even, which is hopeful, not even like all the time monthly, but this persistent idea that I have, that um, I have a denial of my gifts and my talents and my worth. Um, mm. Yeah, the, the, the hope that I should have, the, the fact that I should have hope or self-efficacy or be empowered, um, despite evidence stacked up to hear that I am worthy and that I'm competent and that I'm a good person and that I'm a good friend and a good, um, um, I'm not a biological mother, but I've been able to mother in other ways that God shows me to mother, Yay. you know? Um, and thank you for that. I love that. You're so great. My, my sister, uh, my sister adopted as well. And, and, um, it, she's on the poster for like Los, like the billboard for Los Angeles, like awesome. uh, foster care and adopted a, it's funny because she is half Latino and half Asian and I'm half Latino and half white. And she, she adopted a half Latino, half white baby from a drug addict mom, you know? Wow. And like, I am so proud of her. And so we don't have like a great relationship because our family system is whack, but like mm. it. I'm so proud of her and I'm so proud of it. That was the first thing my partner said when I was like, uh, we, I might have to have her struck me. You're younger than me. You want to have kids. And he was like, babe, we don't have to have kids. Who's to say having kids is one way or another. You know yeah. what I mean? Like there's all kinds of way to be a mom. And, and there's I all kinds of that. ways to be defined and yes. we don't have to be defined by our relationships. Yeah, yes. exactly. I yes. had to have that discussion when I started dating my husband, I got married two weeks ago and, Congrats! Uh, thank you. Thank you I've so much. Him. 
I approve. Yes, you have. Oh, you have. He is Dave a great doesn't beard, like anyone, right? so he must be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, so when we started dating, like I hadn't been dating in like three years. I was just like, I was doing my thing. I was fine with it. Um, and then when I started dating Benjamin, um, I, I told him, I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm 46. He's in his forties. I should have this conversation with him fast. Cause you know how men like to sometimes have second life where mm-hmm. they, yeah. So I, I was hoping that, you know, I, I don't know if he's like about to have second no life, but I can't, I can't do second. About. Second life is when you're like in your forties and you decide I want a fresh new wife and a fresh new baby. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. So I was being so, facetious, but thank you. Okay. <laughs> I, I noticed that like a millisecond after I stopped. I, yeah. I, I got to sneak them in. I, I mean, I don't. You did. I don't, you did a good job. I don't, I don't have lady parts, so I have no frame of reference. So <laughs> I got to sneak them in when but, I can. So he's got a 10 year old boy. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I just need you to know, like before, I don't even know if we'd kiss chat. I was like, I just want you to know that I can't have kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not on the table for me. And he was just like, okay cool yeah but being able to have that discussion you know up front as a just as an adult was it felt super grown up that's and that's that's so vulnerable and it's such a beautiful decision to just have it up top because you had it because I I know for myself you, you probably had to fight the 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 stigma and the it's it's there isn't a great word like there's a good word for emasculation but there's no hmm. word for de defeminization defeminization yeah like this maybe yeah this um this feeling of like the you know our feminine powers or whatever it is I don't even know but like yeah to to fight that and it's erroneous whatever it is like to fight that feeling of being like no, I'm still a beautiful, strong, powerful woman who this man is lucky to be around just yes. because, just because my uterus won't do a thing, you know, does not mean that it is that, that we're, you know, that I'm any less. And yes. to, to go through that and to have that conversation, frankly, is equals rather than what my uh, instinct has been to grovel, to be like, mm, but do you still accept me for my, excuse me, but can Master Dobby have a sock? Like I very, <laughs> like, I'm very like, like grovelly around, like around my inadequacies and it's not an inadequacy at all. It's just a biological fact. And yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to speak for all men because that's what I do. Thank you. Um, <laughs> n- not, anybody that I know would care to hear that up top. Like, you know, like I, in terms of like, I would rather know up top about that stuff. And then it, like, if I was really into the person, it's like, that wouldn't, that wouldn't bother me. Yeah. You know? And two, it's like getting, I think getting the shit out of the way early, getting, getting down to the nitty gritty, especially as we get older is so important. And Mm. it really doesn't, it really doesn't matter. Like, like when me and uh, when me and my gal started dating, I just set up top. It's just like, I, I I'm not against kids. I'm not for them. I'm in the middle of the road just because like my career is not where I want it to be yet. And if that's a mm. problem, I understand. But that's just getting it out of the way first, so that there is no stewing in our brains over what are they going to think when the ball drops, or are they still going to love me if I can't do the thing? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's just. We, we don't have a lot of time on this blue ball. So it's just like, get the shit right. out right up top and be like, and look at it. 
You're married now. Yeah, and I'm grateful that I didn't have biological children because, first of all, my ex-husband was not a person that I would have wanted to have mm-hmm. children with. Um, but I didn't know that at the time because my want for children was bigger than my want for a stable marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, like my my husband and I, we're a family, you know, and, and we have our, my stepson is amazing and I have a good rapport with his mother and it's been, it's been good. And I don't know if I'd had, I don't, and he's got some special needs too. And I don't know if, um, if I'd had my own children, if I'd be able to be the, um, the stable presence that this child needs right now. Yeah. And I, I have to say, um, uh, my, both my parents have passed away mm. and my stepmom came into my life um, when I was 12. So a little, little bit after where you're at. And she immediately assessed that up until that point, I had not been parented. And wow. so she became the parent, the only parent I'd really ever had. My dad was a great companion and a really good buddy and a pillar of his AA community and, you know, and, everything but um dadding fathering parenting maybe a little lacking and um my mom was a using addict and so mm. my um you know to have i just want you to know bring all that up to say that a step parent relationship in society is given this rap of being you know my evil step parent or this mm-hmm. that, and the other thing and much like in the in the movie Clueless, you know, like the step parent is the solid parent in my life and the person I call my mom and she refers to me as her daughter oh. and and um and I just love her so much. I love her so much. I, I you know, I'd fight for her, you know. I do I have fought for her. She's a delight. So, um I welcome that. Thank and you I, for that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Cause there's going to be moments, you know, it's tough. I was a tough ass teenager, you know, and she, (laughs) and, and, and wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, Anna Valenzuela. Yes. Were were anything other than a delight as a kid? Oh, I was the, I was the grumpiest, meanest, angriest kid you had ever seen. I was like a little, I was like a little badger. It was like living with a badger. shush shush dave shush (laughs) um but i uh you know and and to to make that decision in your life to to be because some people when they're dating somebody they're like that that's not a i know that sometimes when people date and it doesn't work out and then the kid situation it's it's tough we're like i have a friend going through that right now a breakup where she only misses she only misses the son, she misses him. She doesn't miss the dude. The dude can kick rocks, but like the son is, is the, you know, the thing she misses the most. And, and to make mm. that decision, that's a huge decision on your part. And I'm so, I'm so interested in like how you make decisions in your life today. Well, I see what my husband's going to order on the menu and then I order something different. And that way I can have two dinners. Hell yeah. That's pretty solid. Thank you. You and I think the same way. That is, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'll do that. I'll be like, okay, boyfriend, what are you going to order? And I'll be like, I'm going to order the exact same thing you're thinking of ordering. I'm like, listen, one of us has got to no. order differently or it's not fun. No. <laughs> yeah, no. We're not both getting the salmon. I no. eat so fast 
that you won't have time to steal any of my food. That's that's well, that's just rude. I know. Yeah, I, I put down a bowl of pho two nights ago in like 15 minutes. I'm talking a giant bowl of all the veggies in the cup they give you on the side, all the broth down to the down to the bare bowl bottom. And then I went and did a show. That's what kind of fucking eating machine I am. So Wow. I couldn't. No two different, there ain't no two different Respect. dinners. You want to get different dinner, that's fine. But that's your only dinner. <laughs> You're crazy. You're crazy. I used to be that way. I used to like... Um, my my favorite one is I somehow always date a guy that doesn't want to buy the get the fries with his burger. He doesn't want to get the French fries. You know, he wants to share French fries because he doesn't want to eat all that's, those calories. That's, just, that's proof that your picker is broken. It, tr- it truly is. Doesn't want the fries. Come Who on. doesn't want the fries? And and so what I I'm, I'm very I'm very upfront. It's my favorite thing in the world. I want my own fries. And I if you want your fries, you're going to need to bring some fries to the table. This is a mutual French fry experience. Um, so don't be eating my fries. That's what I used to, I'd be like, Oh, you, you didn't order fries. And they'll be like, can I have one? I'll be like, you made a bad decision, (laughs) but this is why you're married and I'm not. Uh (laughs) Oh my gosh. So is this decision-making, uh, over the two dinners? So you get two dinners. Is this rooted in, in past experiences? Like, uh, maybe, uh, uh, Martina pre-recovery, Martina in recovery. How 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 did those decisions go? I try to be very thoughtful about the decisions I make. Um and that's like a really broad, broad, broad kind of topic. Cause like there's things like, well, what am I gonna major in? Because I'm in school again right now. Nice, me too. Degree? What are you majoring? Congratulations to you. Yeah, I'm doing human services um, and psychology. Okay. Because I want to get my master's in mental health. Hell yeah. I switched from that to film, television, radio. Because I would like to be a, uh, a, a comedian in an industry human. You know what I mean? I want to make, I want to make that content. So I, I get that. I'm, I'm glad you're doing it. Cause I, by the end of it, by, yeah, sometimes I'd be like, I'm going to school for this. And I go to work and I'd be like, uh, maybe I've chosen wrong. So I'm glad you're doing yeah. it because it takes a special takes a special soul to get to get out there and, and do that. Well, shit. I read an article or a book or something. I don't even know. I, I read something somewhere at some point about something called sacred service. And sacred service is what happens when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. So if you're if you um if you do like stand up and or, or like you're writing with your writing partners and like you mm-hmm. bounce some ideas off each other and it's kind of like a little bit cathartic and a little bit exhausting and you get home and you're like, ah, I'm exhausted. And you just like kind of like slip into that comfy sleep, then you're doing sacred service. But if you get home and you're like pulling your hair out and like, I don't want tomorrow to happen because tomorrow's going to suck. And then you get up and you're like, I hate Mondays so much because I hate what I do and I can't believe I have to see those people again. Um, that's not sacred service. Oh my God. That's because exactly you're depleting yourself. That's exactly what I experienced when I was like working in treatment that I get off work and then I would mm. do stand up, and then I would feel slightly energized, like pleasantly relaxed rather than what was my normal thing, which was like feeling avoidant, going home to grind my teeth and watch TV and be sad. Yeah. And, 
Yes. Oh my God. I love that. That takes a lot of self-awareness on your part to be able to assess, (laughs) like, how does this make me feel? And I think a lot of, by the way, if you, if you are a comedy person listening to this, I think a lot of comedians are experiencing this right now. Like where, where do I fit in the scheme of things and how do I feel about it? And I think that's Mm -hmm. a great way. It's like, if you feel like when you get home, you are depleted in a bad way rather than quit comedy quit. Yeah. Quit. Go do something else. Um, cause it's hard. It, it's not easy. Uh, same thing with working with I people. I say that with all the love in the world. If it does yeah. not bring you joy, stop it. Whatever it is, whatever it is. My grandmother was a marriage and family therapist for 40 years. She was probably very talented at what she did, but she was, also, she's also a miserable lunatic. And, uh, mm. and, uh, and she once made me promise never to become a therapist. Wow. <laughs> Whereas my sponsor's a therapist, my, most of my friends are therapists and they're, you know, that's one of the caveats. You work in treatment for 10 years, you can have a lot of, a lot of therapist friends and yeah. yeah, it's just like a thing, you know, it's like people calling about being like, so I need to discuss with you like a boundary problem I had with my boss. You know what I mean? Like real deep conversations right up top. And sure, um, sure. yeah, yeah. And, uh, or my personal favorite, Ooh, girl, let me tell you about this new borderline client. I got, I ain't going to tell your name. Cause I respect, <laughs> I respect Hippo, but you got to know this girl is stone cold nuts. I'm in for a it's ride. The borderline. <laughs> oh, God oh. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so like, so there is, you know, there, that, that feeling of, am I depleted in a good way or depleted in a bad way? Because ultimately we want to use that energy, that service energy. We want to do the thing, but like, if it's just this weird grind on our soul, then what's the fucking point? Yeah. And every kind of service isn't for every person. I really do believe that we're all here to perform service to one another in some sort of way. Right. You know, and, and laughter is an amazing service. I mean, laughter, it, um, it works your abdominal muscles. It oxygenates your blood cells. It raises all of your vibrations. It, um, We're heroes. Over, I agree. You are. Over time, you are heroes. Over time, if you're laughing enough, your immune system literally improves. Mm-hmm. You know, these you are really should, yeah, important you should facts. Be our, you should be our advertiser. Be like, you know, <laughs> go see Anna and Dave do comedy because the health I would love to are phenomenal it is it will well i was i've shared this story before i was once doing like a really bad one-nighter just outside of vegas not even in vegas like a vegas adjacent hamlet and um i went into the bathroom after my set i was featuring i went into the bathroom and this woman is hysterically crying and Mm -hmm. because i have empathy and i'm not shy i was like hey are you all right and she said you're the comedian I'm so glad you're here tonight. I had such a good time. I'm so happy. And I was like, oh my God. And it turned out like the reason why she's crying is she 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 said, I haven't, I haven't smiled or laughed. My I have three kids and my husband left me this week. And I didn't somebody oh brought gosh. me here just so I could feel better. And I, I thank you. And so I tried to I always try to remember that moment because we never know, we never know why people are there. And to, and I asked my higher power when I'm at my most successful, I've even had like big shows like that were, you know, kind of important. I've gone into the bathroom, locked the door, got on my knees and been like, God, just like, help me, just help me bring joy and be of service in the way you would like me to do through this thing that I can do. Mm. And just be like, you go in first, you lead, I'll follow. 
and let's have fun. fun. And for some reason, my way of doing that is telling dick jokes. Uh, you go in first. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. You go in first. I'll follow you. You show me where to go. And you know, dick jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All comes <laughs> back to the dick joke. Always, always, always. <laughs> I mean, if I'm honest with myself and, and Dave was, was right, he's like, you know, oh yeah, we're heroes. We're not, we're not heroes, but we all, whatever one does in their life, you know, no, whether I disagree, um, you heard Martina's description. Uh, we are medically beneficial, so- socially beneficial, uh, essential. I would, I would, I would argue essential. What if we could bill insurance? Like, what if we Ooh. could bill insurance? That would be dope. Wouldn't it be great if we could bill insurance <laughs> but not get insurance? That's. that's, that's yeah. Well, oh, that would just be going back to working in treatment. That's that's all that is. Um, Ayo. Ayo. I remember this one place I worked. Uh, I remember begging them to give us uh, flu shots one year. I was like, can we, can you just, can you just pay for some flu shots? This was before it was covered. We were like, we all keep getting sick every three weeks. These kids are nasty. They don't wash your hands. Like, could you help? And they'd be, they were like, no. I was like, okay. So, um, but I, what I, I you seem very self-aware and self-honest. Hey, I've yes. done a lot of therapy. Girl, sames. Yeah. Uh, what, what is your level? Who hasn't? Who hasn't? If you haven't get, you know what? Don't I was at therapy. Oh my, I was at a I was at a pool party and this. You're just gonna de- derail the fourth question uh, for the next hour. We'll, let's just keep we'll doing it. Get to it. <laughs> Have we gotten to it? I was going to the fifth I one. I no. Okay. No. Uh, thank you. Uh, I God, my um, I was at this pool party and um, and she everybody up was the pool party again. At least four different episodes it's because a lot of I was not invited to that. I was not invited to. <gasps> you didn't and want to be there. It hurts. Do you want to come? Time. I'll invite you next time. You come with me next time. Okay? I, got, I got my own pool up here. You, you fuckers, come visit. Did me. you want to go, or did you want to know that you were welcome? Uh, both. You were welcome. I, I wanted to be invited just so I could say I'm on the road. I can't come. <laughs> well, anyway, sorry. I keep bringing it up because it's you know we have limited social interaction in these pandemic streets. Um, but the big flex at the party is everybody was like, I'd be like, how are you? And they'd be like, I'm doing well. And then they'd want to like brag a little bit because they're comedians. They'd be like, so I have a therapist. And I'd be like, oh, flex. Like that was the flex of the party was like, so I've been going to therapy. I'm like, oh, that's so cute. I love that. Um, what is it? You know, as you know, therapy helps you get to know yourself in a way. It's like, I'd worked the steps twice and then started going to therapy and was like, Oh fuck! I needed to do this the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, what? What's the most interesting thing that you've learned about yourself, or surprising thing that you've learned about yourself in your recovery journey? Mm. That I can choose joy. Yeah, and and that um, might not sound like a huge reveal, but I've been um, since I've been sober at the age of eighteen. Um, I've been diagnosed with, um, bipolar. Mm-hmm. I've, um, I've dealt with severe PTSD issues, mm-hmm. um, including sleep issues. You know, I've gone through, um, uh, suicidal ideation, suicide attempts. Uh, I've had several major depressive episodes, only a couple of manias. Um, it mostly manifests as depressive episodes for me. Um, I've, uh, I've, I've failed out of school four times in recovery. So mm-hmm. 
Yeah, four times. Um, I've I went through that whole journey I told you about earlier with the with the um, fertility and miscarriages, and you know I've been married and divorced in recovery. So being able to choose joy is not something that I take lightly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's it's given to me directly from God. It's God doing for me what I could not do for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and for me, choosing joy doesn't mean I'm gonna don't worry and be happy today and choose joy. Right. Good vibes only in here. You know, for me, choosing joy means that I'm going to make that I'm going to accept that contract that's offered to me that in order to have joy in my life, I'm going to have to honor that grief piece that you talked Mm -hmm. about so eloquently earlier, Anna, Um, the the grief piece that's so sacred and that will comfort me. And and that's that's what I ran from with the drugs. and drugs and alcohol saved my life me too. before they started to kill me. Yeah, Thank you. Me too. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was 13 when I started and, and 20 when I quit. So okay. same. So like we're kind so of in know. the, yeah, we're in the you same know. age range. It was like, it was like yeah, the home are. I grew up in was so toxic and I was so depressed mm. and so angry and so anxious that if it wasn't for the drugs, I don't know where I'd be right now, honestly. Mm. So I, I totally understand. It's like they work until they don't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, that takes a lot of honesty even to get to that point. Sometimes it takes a lot of pain to get to a level of honesty where you can reach joy. Um, and that's the next question. Martina, how, how honest are you with yourself and others around you? Support for 12 Questions Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 12QPOD. That's 12QPOD at manscaped.com. Imagine having a sleek and well-designed, optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and the details on the 4.0 are next level. I used other trimmers in the past, and I've nicked my balls plenty of times, and you all know the pain of nicking your balls. Ouch. Not to mention, afterwards, the sweat, the stinging. It's just not a good time. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredible, comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. This upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to run the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. Did I mention wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery last longer. Men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. It's time to get your own ball, hair, and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice smooth boys. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code 12QPOD at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. I am 
honest to the best of my ability. And that ability probably changes day to day. There are times I wish I could be more honest, um, especially about vulnerable things, you know, like how scared I am or, um, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, things that I really want, you know, mm-hmm. um, but the thing about it is if like the, the, if a bit of honesty is there for me, I can't unsee it. You know, mm. if I know a truth about myself, like good luck forgetting that, you know? Right. Yeah. So I'm as honest to, to the best of my ability on a daily basis. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. Well, I think too, it's Thank just you. like so much of the honesty is not so much uh, lying, the act, uh, act of not lying, but it's the act of actively telling the, the truth and the honest truth because mm-hmm. for me my dishonesty doesn't lie in the actual act of lying it lies in the omission mm. of the things i want to say or the things i really mean or, or the boundary you didn't set <gasps> girl 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 girls girls girl i was Wait. just chatting with dave before you logged on kind of about this theme that's been going on in my life since I I'm going through the, I, I keep telling everybody in the pandemic, if you're bored, work the steps again. And nice. so that's what I did. Respect. And thank you. And yeah. I, so I'm on a six and seven step and I'm, I thought I called my sponsor the other day and I was like, I think I'm ready to move on. And then my step was like, mm, no girl, I'm not done with you. And Ooh. there, there have been some moments where, cause usually the six and seven step for me is self-flagellation. That's all it is. It's just, I'm a piece of shit. I'm a piece of shit. I'm a piece of shit, which is another type mm. of self-centered, you know, attention. Right. Of course. Yeah. And my, um, this round has been all about assessing my relationships with, uh, across the board, you know, all relationships are composed of trust, love, and respect. And in areas where trust and, and respect are rocked, that's where most of the time the communication things, things get rough in there and assessing like, what's my part in rocking the trust and the respect and um, situations where the trust and respect is being rocked with me rather than going into codependent punishment and all of that to then get into, you know, Hey, setting a boundary. And I haven't, Mm. I I would not have known that this round of the steps at this point, my recovery was going to bring me to a place where instead of being like, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm so sorry. I'm wrong. Instead going, I'm wrong. And also here's my boundary. Oh my gosh. Hey, I'm not wrong. I looked at my 50% and here's my boundary. We're not going to talk to me that way right now. You know what I mean? And like, so to have that, um, or we're both wrong or we're both right or, you know, whatever it is, it's just understanding that like, I've assessed my 50%. This is what I'm aware of on my end. Also, it's not okay to bring that behavior to me. And that has been um, one of the most surprising things because it it looks like I'm more feisty than usual on the outside because for some reason, my higher power keeps bringing these things into my life, these people, these incidents into my life, like people just randomly nutting up and yelling at me about something or whatever, like just these moments where I need to stop and say, Hey, just so you know, you don't speak to me that way. You don't speak to anybody that way, but you certainly don't speak to me that way. Mm. I'm going to walk away. We can talk about this later. Goodbye. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. So uh, I was just, I was just in between podcasts. My therapist was like, okay, I see that 
you know, you did this, but like, how could we have established a boundary better? And I'm like, oh, cognitive behavioral therapy is hard. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So you are challenging me and I pay you for it. And um, so I, I, I love what you just said. I am so, so there of the, like, we got to set some boundaries, boo. Yeah. It's a big thing. And it's like, when you think about it, the drugs and alcohol, like before the drugs and alcohol saved our lives and then started to kill us, there were relationships. Like that was our first thing. Our first thing was a relationship. It wasn't, it wasn't marijuana. It wasn't cocaine, heroin. It wasn't alcohol. It wasn't cigarettes. It wasn't, it wasn't ice cream. It wasn't scratch off tickets. It was relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, like from the the beginning of our brain development, it was Mm -hmm. relationships. So those issues, the relationships issues are really important to identify. I think for me, they were important really fast. Um, And through trial and error, I learned that I wasn't very good at them. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't good at communicating. I wasn't, I wasn't good at setting boundaries. I wasn't good at saying this doesn't feel good to me. You know, it was all about, go ahead. Do we think anybody is though? I don't know. Um, my mom seems to be fine with it. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mama, mama. Yeah. I think that like, I think if we look at society, I think most people, yeah, just like on a social level, but also on an interpersonal level, I find it's very rare. Sometimes people are like, like I have a, I have a person in my life who's like 90% great at it. And I just recently kind of like watched those boundaries get a little squishy with her. And I was like, Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You are human. Okay. Hi. I see that. I see your humanity. Um, and to kind of like to to have those those moments of of you know, I, I think that I don't know for me, and I know I'm not the whole world, but what I know. Can you believe it, Dave? It's like when we have when we have um moments. I just wasn't raised in a family. I was just raised in a family where I was told I was wrong. I was the problem. You know what I mean? Like mm. to be reductive, like yeah. I was raised in a family where someone was right. Someone was wrong and you had specific roles. And if your role was to be the person who was the problem, then you were the problem. And um, so to look at things with more fairness and not to, I think a lot of people are kind of hardwired with that. Like, this is my role and this is how the worldview is. And it does come from those primary relationships. Point. Yeah. So is, is anyone really good at like setting boundaries and, and, and having relationships? I think that, I think that we can all probably do better, Yeah. you know, but we're all kind of a mess and, and, and there's a type of person, like a lot of people I know in recovery, people in my family who I'm close with, you know, uh, people that I love, there are people that are willing to say like, this is my mess. Um, I'm going to need some help navigating my mess. I'm going to respect you navigating your, your mess also. Ooh, I and like that. I'm here when you need me. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, I think a lot uh-huh. of it has to do with just, I mean, we talked grief up top. It's just like when you've suffered severe pain, your give a fuck tank becomes empty and you're just able to create boundaries because you don't care what, if that boundary scares someone away, you know, yeah. which is a boundary issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which boundaries, uh, issues with boundaries and boundaries. But that's, mm-hmm. you know, th- that's the reality. Like you, the your circle of trust, for lack of better terms, gets smaller because it's like not everybody deserves to be in it. Mm. 
Yeah. And I, I think that's a growing up thing too, but it, 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 for me, where things get blurry and where things have gotten tough is the, the fear and anxiety that comes along with the abandonment feels or the trauma, the PTSD of it all. Like what is your experience of fear and anxiety today? <sighs> anxiety, something happened over COVID over the whole lockdown thing where anxiety got to be more acute, but at the mm -hmm. same time, less threatening. Yeah. You know, so it's, mm -hmm. thank you. So it's like present, you know, and it's, um, it's definitely something I have always, always dealt with. Like from my earliest memories, anxiety mm -hmm. lives in me, you know, mm -hmm. um, social anxiety, bad, mm -hmm. but it's more now like a mosquito that just won't die. Yeah. It's also like, but like a cartoon mosquito with like a busted up top hat. That's yes. like, yeah. I can talk and like to a accordion nose because it ran yes. into a wall. Uh -huh. yes. And like a cigar. He's just like, Hey, totally a cigar. Hey, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. associate cigar with like old, like old junkyard fly. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched the show Big Mouth, but Maria Bamford voices uh, an anxiety mosquito in the last season. Stop it. Yes. Get and you, you totally you like parallel thinking that. That was beautiful. And also, wow. like, if you haven't watched the show Big Mouth, it's great because they talk about like Brene Brown basically is like. Brene Brown stuff is like the second season okay. to a T yeah, dealing no with shame and, and it's all about adolescence. It, it would be a good one. Like when your son is old enough to watch, cause it's very sexual kind of okay. raucous, but like, it is a very good, uh, it's a very mature and amazing show that deals with like topics that adults and now kids are getting and teenagers are getting the opportunity to process even sooner, you know, like. This sounds really cool. Like not just for me, but I'm already thinking like I can create a group based on an episode. Yeah. Like oh. I can, I can do a session girl. Like a, I do like an art therapy group based on hero with a thousand faces. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I can, do something with that. I've got one too. The show Bojack Horseman. There are That's episodes regarding um, Princess Carolyn. Princess Carolyn is the, she is the most beautiful expression of codependency I have ever seen. There's also a grief episode where Bojack spends the entire episode eulogizing his mother. It It is him at a podium. Really? That is it. Yeah. And it talks That's about so like, was she, was she perfect? No, she wasn't like all this stuff. There's episodes of that show too, where like they deal with relapse. They deal with, um, they deal with, uh, uh, past trauma, generational trauma. I mean, girl, wow. we could talk, we could talk, we could talk about like how weird animated comedy has become one of the most therapeutic tools. There's an episode of the show, um, uh, midnight gospel, Midnight Gospel, the last two episodes are all about the, the creator of the show's mother dying. And she is really? a voice in the, the episodes. 
Oh my God. It's the most beautiful shit I've ever seen in my life. I was like weeping and like, I'm like, this is an animated show on Netflix. Like it was, but all three of those shows have been uh, remarkably uh, self-aware and would be excellent in those regards. Like it's, it's like, wow. it's really, really cool. I told my, I told my sponsor about it. I was like, I was like, you know, if you ever, cause you know, she does, she ends up doing art therapy sometimes too. And she has them do craft projects and you know, yeah. that was real talk working in therapy or, or working in, in, uh, in working therapy, working in uh, treatment. Art therapy is my favorite group. That's my favorite too. It's so fun. It's so fun. Yeah. And even as it, cause they would make us sit down, they'd be like, no, you go through it too. And I'd be sitting there making fun of my art being like, "Ugh, I'm not good at this. And they'd be like, actually there's no mistakes in art. And I'd be like, okay, I guess I'm learning a lesson today too. Okay. Hand me the clay. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, did they have art therapy, the place you worked? Uh, no, they <sighs> literally was a high dollar halfway house and they, they had like acupuncture and shit. They might have did art therapy at wherever they went, but primarily I got them to therapy and then they came back to the house and caused problems. You worked at one of those places. Oh, yeah. There's a thousand of them in Los Angeles. In Los area. Angeles. That's mm -hmm. right. Easiest job to get when you've got any amount of clean time or sober time. Yep. I could literally get a job in one of these fields this week if I wanted to. I, I call it my stripping. Yeah, yeah, I can right. I can go if, work if that pole anytime I want. Yep. That's yeah, that's funny. If comedy, if comedy goes belly up, I'll go deal with f fucking high dollar treatment again. So yeah. your high dollar treatment, they probably don't take Medicaid. No, no, no. This was like this is like seventy five hundred a month for a shared, ten thousand a month for a single, and they had uh, a chef four nights a week. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> I've worked yeah. at the high dollar and the yeah. low dollar ones. Yeah, they, I've worked they, at both. Yeah, they their shopping was done. <laughs> I've always worked Trader at nonprofits <laughs> and and Whole Foods. Like, yeah, nothing. Wow, I've. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Cool. Yeah, my uh, uh it's, my... it's a monstrous industry. It's like yeah. you you can't even like they treat these people more like hotel guests than they mm -hmm. do people that need uh, act active boundaries and be told like no. Like I meant what I said earlier. Like I remember I was taking a client to their therapy that they were late to, that they actively took a while to get out of the house to. And we're like a couple minutes from the spot passing a coffee bean and she had a conniption because I would not stop a coffee bean. I'm like, can't stop a coffee bean because you're late. If you want to go early tomorrow, we could stop a coffee bean. But you're late today. So you're yeah. going to therapy late and not with wow. coffee bean. It's Talk like, about it with your therapist. You're Bye. Piece, you're, a piece <laughs> you're a terrible person. Okay. No yeah. problem. And then, you know, to tell the the people that ran the place, yeah, like this kind of, like, well, you know, try to work it out. So next time that maybe you can stop. No. Yeah, there's no way. There's no, no way. Like, but it's it, my, I always tell people in, when, cause comedians, when they figured out that I worked in the field would be like, how do I get help and try to do that sometimes make me their hotline. And yeah. I would always tell them there's four treatment centers in the area that I think do the deal. And, um, they all took Medicare, Medicaid, Medi-Cal, like they all did. And what they would tell me is like, I don't want to be in there with like convicts and cholos. And I'd be like, well, let me know when you want to stay clean. Cause I got connections at those places. And those are the places that 
will get you clean. And those people never recommended recommend anywhere I worked. <laughs> wow. Those people die. Those people, those people die. Yeah, it's tough. It's it's crazy, but like, you know, it can be. Um, uh, just I know my like, character defects came out a lot when I worked in treatment. Yeah, I had to go to like double the meetings. Mm. You weren't one of those people that would go to meetings and be like, "I work in recovery." No hell no. <laughs> because that's the thing it's just like i wasn't allowed to carry a message really in in the recovery house that i worked at so my shares and meetings were the message because someone's got to hear this shit because i'm not allowed to fucking impart any kind of uh, message to these people i'm essentially their chauffeur who's sober yeah yeah i mean but what like for you marlena like like what what is your you Martina. I did. Yeah. I have we a homegirl named like- Marlene. I'm sorry. <laughs> Martina. Love her. I was like, name. maybe my name is Marlena. I'm just going to let it slide. No, Martina. I'm sorry. You can't take me anywhere. <laughs> Martina. Thank you. I can always tell when I say something wrong because Dave's eyes go like, like that. Like, um, but Martina, thank you. Um, what, like, what are the character defects you're working on the most right now? Because I know you're going back to school. That's like a big mm-hmm. one. Like, like to bring up defects, I certainly had some ego come out when I re-enrolled. Like, what, what is your your the character defects that you're dealing with right now? Right now, or just like in general, or ones you've had trouble letting go. Like I've had some where I'm like, I don't want to let that go. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now, like lately, lately, um, I've been definitely um, feeling the anxiety a lot um and I've been conscious of it and like walking Mm -hmm. through it like in the morning and just kind of um starting my day positively and kind of uh rooting myself in a core belief that I'm trying to develop right (laughs) that I'm worthy you know Mm -hmm. um I think that I also am I could be probably a better listener Mm. Um, I could speak less. I could stand to speak less. Same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my big, big, big demon, like throughout my life has been, um, jealousy and envy. Mm. And I think that through, um, through some really good sponsorship and incredible women that have been put in my path, I've been able to kind of, uh, whittle away at that. Yeah. 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 Same. I love that. I love it. It's so good. What, what's it's your one. What's your experience of forgiveness? Wow. Okay, so I'm going to tell you. Tell <laughs> us, ex- girl. Because you asked. Um. So my experience in forgiveness, and this is funny because um, at church recently, uh, the sermon did this whole. Uh, the pastor did this whole sermon on forgiveness um, that was really intense and touching. And she focused on how, um, how Christ was on the cross and he said, father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. He didn't say, I forgive you guys. It's cool. You know, he said, father, forgive them. He abdicated forgiveness to his father to take care of, Hmm. you know, because he, I don't think was in a place where that felt easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he gave it to God. 
Um, and that's kind of my experience. Like it really hit me. And I, I remember saying to um, the pastor after her name's Brianna. And I was like, I'd really like to speak on forgiveness, like sometime soon, like on any platform, you know, mm. and then here's this question. So my, yeah, right. So my experience with forgiveness is for a long time, I decided that forgiveness is not a necessary uh, trait or, or action or quality to pursue. Um, and the reason I felt that way was because I was very angry mm-hmm. and I was, um, I was very fearful and I didn't feel like, I feel like there are some things that feel unforgivable, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And that was what kind of precipitated my gravitation towards alcohol and drugs. And that trauma really um, impeded a lot of my growth and development, um, which I can only say from this point, this side of it, because at the time I didn't feel like I was being impeded in any way. Um, And I go to a retreat every year um, and it's a retreat for women, adult survivors of childhood sexual abuse it's very, it's, I look forward to it every year. It's like right around St. Patrick's day. Um, it's, um, a core of like 20 women who go, it was virtual this year. Um, uh, saying the name of that, just in case there's some listeners who participate. Yes, absolutely. It's a, it's at the Dominican retreat house in Niski unit, New York. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that, um, opportunity because they're, they're an incredible center. Um, and they're, they are, they are faith-based. Um, it's a Dominican retreat center. So it's, mm-hmm. it's Catholic. The retreat's run by a couple of nuns, but they don't, um, if, if you're on, if you're not sure where you are on the fence of mm-hmm. like where spirituality versus religion and all of that stuff, there's not an ounce of pressure. Like I've, I've walked through there in all different kinds of spiritual states and I've never, I've never felt pressured. I've only felt accepted and honored, mm-hmm. which is huge. Um, and I remember like when I started tackling the idea of forgiving the man that did this to me, um, at first it was like, you know what, I don't have to do that. And, um, I'm never going to, because that was horrible. And I hope he dies. And then he did die. And it was really anticlimactic. Mm -hmm. When I heard the news, I was like, waiting to feel something, you know, and I didn't feel anything. Um, and I thought maybe I should go to the funeral and I'll feel something if I do that. And then the idea of going made me not feel anything. So I was just like, I guess, well, there you have it, you know? Um, and then, you know, a few years later, I remember, um, working, you know, with my sponsor about like praying for people I resent, you know, and I was like, okay, I can do that. I can pray. Um, I can pray for him. I can pray for like his soul, I guess. I don't know. I can pray for, I can pray for the situation as a whole mm-hmm. to be healed. I don't know what that looks like, you know? Um, so I, I tried different angles of that and then, um, it, it only served to upset and anger and, and make me feel more hurt. And that was hurt that I used through. That was hurt that I could have felt at one point, possibly, but I was using. And 
you know, because drugs and alcohol were saving me from other things. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Um, so one day at this retreat, it was maybe like three years ago, um, I was talking to Sister Carol and you can have one-on-one sessions and she's also a KSAC and she's just really cool, cool lady. And um, I was sitting with her privately and I was telling her, I don't think I want this person to, to burn in hell anymore. Like, I would like to know that he's not burning in hell. And she said, that sounds like forgiveness to me. Mm-hmm. And somebody told me that forgiveness is letting go of the hope of having had a better past. Mm-hmm. And that um, that's a good starting point, I think, was uh, being able to accept that certain things happen you know, and, and it, and it's sad and it's okay to be sad and it's scary and it's okay to be scared and it's traumatizing and it's okay to navigate trauma. Um, because I don't get to choose joy until I feel that rage and pain that I I deserve to feel and I get to feel. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I experienced forgiveness. I, when I started seeing a therapist, because uh, my sponsor told me to see a therapist or never call her again, because that was that kind of fun sponsee who just yes. was not growing. And um, I had a therapist tell me for the first time, oh, you were neglected and abused as a child. And I was mm-hmm. like, no, I wasn't. What are you talking about? I have a, it was a rough childhood, but you know, who doesn't have a rough childhood? And because if I don't, if you don't call a spade a spade, if you don't say the thing and you don't identify it, and yeah. there's no solution. There's no hope. And and just like being able to say that out loud, isn't it? Like, yeah. And I'm still getting used to saying this, you know, saying to people like, you know, I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Yeah. I'm a, ch- I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And it's okay for me to say that. I can say it a million times. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make me less or more. It just, it's, it's, um, it's not my fault. So it's I not. refuse to carry that shame. Yeah. 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 Cause when we, we can't identify it or we can't say it, we can't own it. We can't, we carry the shame. We carry the secrets, we carry the shame. And then, and then that what you described that, that hope, like the, the hope of it being better dying is Mm. when my mom passed away, that's what brought, brought me into therapy because I had to a identify what I felt about that relationship. B so never had grieved, yeah, never had grieved my dad, and then um, and then let go of the hope of having a different childhood, you know, and yeah. and somehow going back in time and making that right. And what what occurred was is this acceptance of it kind of grinds my gears when people are like, you know, my parents did the best they could, but, and it, it's kind of true, but also I, what I call them is my magical monsters. They were magical and sweet and funny and wonderful and violent and scary and angry and drug addicted and neglectful. And both things can be true. Both things wow. can be true. You can, yes. you can, lo- you can, you can get to that point where you want where you're, where you, where you say to a nun about your abuser, I'm, I, I would, I would like for this person not to be burning in hell over, mm. over that, you know, and like being, being ready to release that. That's so beautiful to me. You're so, you're the hero. You're a rock star. 
you're amazing. You're going, I'm you want to be an asshole. Aren't we all, but aren't you, are, are you going to school to be a, a th- like a therapist therapist? Or are you going to do social work? I'm going to do mental health. You're going to do mental health mm-hmm. girl. This experience is how many, how many times have you worked with clinicians that haven't really, they don't have any grit because they don't have, they don't have the experience of going through the things themselves. You know what I mean? And they're always just like, this is the craziest person. And you're like, girl, where's your empathy and grit? Like I've had some moments. Yeah. I'm really lucky that the clinical team I'm with is very strong, you know, like we're, yeah. we work together so well and, and where one of us falls short, the other one compensates. Oh, I love that. Um, but yeah, I, I love, I love, love my job. I love the agency I work at. But yeah, um, I mean, I just, I just see a future of you just helping more I know more what more you're people. talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Just the ability <laughs> to like, just the ability to, to look at somebody honestly and to share, you know, it's therapists generally don't share their own experience, but having that, that, that experience, strength and hope to draw on, to listen and yeah. to hold space for someone is so And powerful. it's that work, you know, like, like when I said before, oh, I've done a lot of therapy. I've really done a lot of therapy, yeah. you know, and I still, yeah. I have a therapist that I work with now, you know, and, and that's important stuff for me to be doing if, and it's, it's important stuff for all of us, but specifically in the field that I'm in, um, yeah. if I'm not consistently working on myself and having those clear boundaries in front of me, um, and in my heart, I'm going to get someone killed. Shout out to transference, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. I will. And I, I, when I got my therapist, I, when I emailed her, I said, first off, I need a therapist that takes Medi-Cal. I found you on psychology today. Um, and here's the deal. Uh, my grandmother's a therapist. I worked in treatment for 10 years. I need a therapist who's qualified to treat therapists. Yes, queen. Yeah. That and is she- what you do. We have to shop for our therapist. Yes. Know what you're looking for. And if you don't know what you're looking for, know what you're not looking for and have that list ready when mm-hmm. you when they answer that phone or when they call you back, just be like, I need this. I don't need this. This hasn't worked for me. I faked EMDR in the past, like whatever you need to say. <laughs> Faking EMDR for the listeners. Can you explain what EMDR is? Cause I, I hear a lot of really good things about it, but I do think that's very, that feels like, it feels like the first time I went to a sound bath and they were like, what did you feel? And I was just like restless. <laughs> yeah. And that's a great answer to yeah. a sound bath. Some people just like, it's not my jam. Yeah. Yeah. So EMDR stands for eye movement, desensitization, something. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, some people are um, specialized in it. I'm not certified in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but some people, uh, it's, it's used for trauma. It's used yeah. to process trauma. Mm-hmm. And it actually has been very effective for a lot of people. And I'm in no way putting it down. Totally. Um, but I definitely faked EMDR because I so badly wanted the therapist at the time. I think it was like 23. And we were, so I'm like, what, five years sober. I'm just starting to address the mental health issues. Yes. Um, yeah. And that book Prozac Nation had come out recently. So people were like, oh, well, uh, antidepressants are another drug and you don't want to be on another drug. And so I was like really resistant to my, to my favorite thing and- to share in a meeting is I don't want to see any of you go off your meds. I just want you to yeah. know that I don't want to see any of you go off your meds because I'm not a doctor and nobody here is a doctor, but y'all are doing pretty good right now. And I don't want to see that change Stay on your meds. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Don't make any decisions 
rationally. Yeah, you are so, not a doctor. Those, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah. so I'm doing EMDR with this therapist. We did like because to process the trauma and because I knew I was traumatized as shit. You know, I just didn't know how I didn't understand how it was affecting my life. I didn't understand that that's why I was doing sex work. That I was hypersexual. That you know I was you know. I'm not saying that everyone who does sex work has a trauma. I'm just saying like, that's, this is my path. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, thank you. So after like maybe three, four sessions, I like, I was just feeling nothing. I was processing nothing. I was going through the motions and I just really wanted her to feel like she did a good job because she seemed so excited about doing EMDR, you know, cause it was like her thing and she'd been trying to get, to do it for like sessions and sessions so I like I broke up with my therapist I was like you did such good EMDR thank you so much I feel great and I'm done and and I think that we can finish here and that was it that is the most codependent thing I've ever heard question has that ever come up Uh, and I'm trying to get into this next question um, but this seems to be a good jumping off point um the question is, what has been your most surprising amends or apology? But the caveat is going to be, is that something that you'd have to make an amends for uh, uh, straight up? I don't know. Was that a wrongdoing? I don't know. I, I mean, you said you said you wanted her to feel good, so you lied to her. Yeah, I, I, I wanted her to feel good about her job, and I lied to her. Yes, that's the God's honest truth. I don't it's, think I need to make an Have you had, that. have you I, ever I'm had that experience? Just to get into the next question. So I was like, well, this is a good spot. Like that is let's, let's, let's consider. Let's consider. Dave, Dave, I think what's really funny is um, while I haven't done that with therapy, I've definitely done that with haircuts where I'm like, Oh, it looks so good. And then I run out and I'm like, I call a friend immediately. I'm like, I need you to fix my head. <laughs> <laughs> this girl fucked me up <laughs> but yeah. like yeah we all have those people pleasing moments and yes people pleasing is as i yell about often on this podcast it's manipulation and lying it's manipulation yeah, absolutely. dishonesty. you're right it was manipulation yeah. and dishonesty so that i could feel good that she felt good yeah so what was the question what has been your most surprising amends or apology that you've either received or given Um, my most apolog- my most surprising one that I've given was um, my mother because mm-hmm. I like I had myself all built up and I was like I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna go through like points on my fourth step that I'm apologizing for specifically because it's right. direct right except when to do so would injure them or others mm-hmm. so I crossed out some things that could be injurious. Mm-hmm. Um, And I I sat down with her and I started and I was like, I just want to talk to you about how sorry I am about blah, blah, blah. And she was just like, oh yeah, fine. It's cool. You know, like you're, you're different now. You've, you've done work on yourself. It's fine. And I was like, but I need to talk about this. And she was like, no, you don't. We're good. (laughs) So I I felt like it never really like got done. (laughs) Like so chill about it. And I was trying to explain to her about like the third step and everything and turning your will and your life over. And she's just like, basically like, Martina, I've been telling you these things since you were like four, like what, (laughs) this isn't new. 
this is like, this is stuff I've always tried to teach you. And I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> well, Oh, your mom. That's so funny. That's it's yeah. sort of like, it's sort of like when my dude is like, so I just figured out about this one thing and I'll be like, uh-huh. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It's so amazing that you discovered just, this it, thing I've told you about. <laughs> so anticlimactic. It yeah. was so anticlimactic. <laughs> and I thought it was going to be like the, the, clouds break open and like cartoon birds are like wrapping ribbons around my hair but no i always tell people that don't have unrealistic expectations of the results of a man's yeah like right that's a know, good point right because it's it's cleaning up our side of the street and what that person's response is um we all hope it's forgiveness but it doesn't often happen that way you know, there's amends that have happened where it's just like, don't ever fucking talk to me again. It's like, you got it, chief. You know? <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Mm-hmm. What is, uh, Martina, you were, first off, again, such a delight. You were the I best. Bu- I only book people that I feel like Anna will be best friends with. You did it That's again, so man. sweet. Thank you. You I did it again. respect Anna. Thank you. Oh, no. She was nervous to talk to you, Anna. I was. I'm going I'm to blow her spot up. Yeah. She's I like, was. I'm very nervous to talk to Anna Valenzuela. Oh, my I'm God. Like, I don't even know what to do with that. I'm like, I'm like, Anna's a goober. Just come on I'm the podcast. 1,000% a goober. Uh, the biggest goober that has ever gooped. Um, mm-hmm. But like what? But you're a warm goober. You're a warm, kind. Like you, um, sometimes you have sticky, like a very honest warm, vulnerability. Warm, sticky goober. And sometimes I can be sticky. We all can be sticky, Dave. <laughs> we can all be sticky. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what, if, if we titled our podcast, that would be the name of the podcast. We can. We'll be, all be we're all sticky. Um, we're all sticky. Con- continue sing- singing her praises. I didn't mean to. <laughs> I like that Dave got uncomfortable with me being complimented. Usually he's uncomfortable with himself being complimented. <laughs> I, was but, okay. to, I was trying to deflect for you because I saw it in your eyes. No, I'm, I'm, you know what I'm learning to do when someone gives me a compliment is to just look at them and go, thank you, baby. Thank you, baby. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But what is like, what is your daily practice to keep yourself centered? You've done so much work. You've done so many things i literally uh, thought she was gonna be like what else do you love about me <laughs> I, I didn't do that I, I pivoted what uh what what is your daily practice for keeping you centered so i'm a christian so for me i just i uh i like to wake up in the bible okay yeah so um i also i belong to a small group of women and we meet once a week and we we call ourselves the Proverbs 31 because that's a verse in the Bible that I've had a lot of, um, I've gotten a lot of strength from and I've really arm wrestled with it as well, um, okay. which is for, like a whole different podcast. For Just for the listeners who aren't um, Bible, my, my dad was a recovering Catholic, so uh, we, I understand. Did a, we did a lot of reading and listening to the hero's journey as what a family. 31? Yeah, what You did not. We did. Yeah. He was a huge Joseph Campbell Get fan. Get out. Huge. Yeah. And Herman uh, Hess. He loved Herman Hess. So there was a I lot of. I wonder if he'd approve of that group that I do. Pro- probably. Uh, well, like what, but what is Proverbs 31? Proverbs 31 is, it's the last proverb in the book of Proverbs. 
And it's really interesting because it was, it was, um, it supposedly was written by uh, Bathsheba to her son. Um, And she's basically like, this is the kind of man you are. You're going to be a helpful person. You're going to be a strong leader. You need a strong woman. And she describes this woman that's kind of like mythical and like unrealistic. Like this woman's like, um, she, she gets up early. She cares for all her kids. She makes sure everything is uh, set. Um, she parcels out, she parcels out uh, um, equal servings of food for her servants so that they do not go hungry. So she's got servants, you know, this is yeah. not like an average woman. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, she makes her arms strong for good work, basically. Mm. So in a very kind of, in about like 35 lines or so, it just describes somebody who's on point with her relationship with her higher power um, and, and treats that as the primary relationship in her life. And because of that, she's industrious and discerning and compassionate. Mm. Mm. So okay. it's not about, it's, it's, I always thought it was about how to be a perfect wife and mom. And I had a lot of like, yeah, uh, about it. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's not at all. It's about, um, it's not about us in relationship to others. It's about us in relationship to God. Well, that leads perfectly into our next question. What is your relationship with your, with your higher power? Like. I've had my moments where sure. I've just said, you know, I, I don't trust you right now. And um, I'm not happy with the work you've done. And I'm a little angry and upset, you know, and that's been part of my process in drawing closer to God, Yeah, you know. Um, and in those moments where I've been like, okay, I'm really angry at this situation and I'm angry at God and I feel like this whole thing sucks. Um, Being able to say that in prayer has really freed me up to be in a relationship. I'm trying, I want to say this like, right. Being in a relationship with um, a God that I know takes me as I am, Mm -hmm. understands my flaws, wants to pursue me, wants me to be comforted um, and wants me to be successful at what I do, um, Mm -hmm. wants me to do his work well and give glory to him. I love that. I I think for me, I've had so many relationships, like my relationship with my higher power has been this like moving target. And I, I don't trust people who don't have a moving target relationship with their higher power. You know what I mean? Mm. Cause, cause we evolve and we change and that affects our relationships with people in our lives. So why wouldn't that affect our relationships with our higher power and ourselves? Mm. And I've definitely a super valid prayer for me has been like, what in the fuck? What is mm-hmm. this? Sure. Come on. You know, sure. like, come on, this is what we're doing today. <laughs> and yeah. then, and then being like, okay, I get it. I get it. You're here to support me. You're here to support me. I get it. But like, dude, can we have a break? You know? And like for me, that, that is helpful to have like a casual, I I do have a very casual dialogue with my higher Just like a real, just a realistic kind of all present relationship is really important to me. And Mm -hmm. I know that like in a lot of, in our, in the recovery community, especially 
um, people kind of can feel skittish about talking about God at all, you know? Yeah. Um, and I definitely was one of those people that started using G-O-D, good orderly direction. Yeah. Basic physics and object in motion continues to stay in motion. Um, yeah. I can't argue with that. That's good orderly direction, right? Yeah. Um, energy cannot be created or destroyed, only transferred. Like that's mm-hmm. good orderly direction. That's physics. It cannot be argued with, you know? And yeah. I needed like fixed points like that mm-hmm. to sort of like propel me forward. And I had, you know, my the women who have sponsored me have been incredible. Like I've been taken on field trips to um, uh, Buddhist temples and, mm-hmm. and gone to like uh, full moon nights and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I feel like experiencing spirituality in as many ways as I could. And I was told this early on in recovery, I was told to say this prayer every day and only this prayer for 90 days. God, reveal yourself to me as you really are. <gasps> oh my God, I love that. Yeah, so I'm I'm asking for vision. I'm asking for a resource. I'm asking for a presence, you know? And um, that was a really, I, I tell my clients that all the time in um, our spirituality group. I tell them that's, that's your prayer. That's your prayer. You don't wow. need another prayer. That's your prayer right now, you know? And it's a good, simple prayer that can lead you to like the conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, I also like, I need that free flow of a dialogue Mm -hmm. with my higher power, but I also need like, I need certain fixed points. So um, there are places that I'll go in the Bible where I can pray God's word back to him. One of my favorites is in Thessalonians. It says, um, we were once children of darkness and now we are children of light. And I lean on that verse all the time. Mm. Because that verse tells me that we can all change. Yeah. We can all change. And as, as a person in recovery, as a friend of people in recovery, um, as someone who loves um, her clients, like I can never believe that I'm dealing with people who are not people of light ever. I can't believe that someone will never change. I don't get that luxury in my line of work. Yep. Yep. I don't want to live in a world where we don't, where there isn't room for change and growth. Mm. Cause if I was told this is who you, you know, part, part of the family narrative for me is this is who you are and this is who you'll always be. And that's just not true. It's just not true. It's people, people grow and change. And I want to live in a world where everyone is capable of that. Me too. Cause yeah. if that wasn't true, I would still be on dead and company tour and I would not have found fish. Yep. It took this long There's for it to become reveal. a fish cast. <laughs> yeah, that's the big reveal. <laughs> I we love did it. it. We did it. Uh, last we question. We did it. Martina Deeb. What would you tell someone just like you in the world listening? Just right like now? me? Just like you. Just like me. I'd be like, your husband's hot. Oh, hey, girl. What's he doing later? We know. We know. <laughs> oh, hey, girl. Ooh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> Shout out to Benjamin Deeb, everybody. Hey, that's amazing. Now, where can, is there anything you would like to? Is that, is that, is that I don't know what else to say. Is there anything else you would like to say to somebody just like you in the world? Dave, Dave wants more. You're doing fine. Think, think, uh, I would tell me, I would tell the just like me to think, um, 
think less of think less about who you are not think less of yourself but think more about other people and less of yourself mm. yeah yeah because you're fine you're fine yeah right yeah that's, you're good that's what I yell at my well don't yell but my cat my cat is very loud and very anxious and he'll come up to me and be like Wah! when I'll look at him and I go you're okay and yeah. then I'll just lay down and I'll be like, That's you're fine. You're, you're fine. fine. You're okay. You're, you're right. okay. Stay in school. Don't do yeah. drugs. You're fine. You're fine. You're okay. And get you a hot ass husband. Hey. Martina, where can people find you uh, and the work that you're doing? I work at a clinic called New Choices Recovery Center in Schenectady, New York. Hell yeah. Check them out. They have, clearly have a very good staff and a very healthy working environment, which leads for good therapy. I like that. Good treatment. That's amazing. And then do you have a social media handle you want to uh, share? If not, that's okay. If people oh, wanted to reach Martina out to Deep. You. There you go. Got it. Yeah. Martina Got it. Deep. That's me. Anna, did, uh, did Dave tell you that um, we did? he did our favors, our wedding favors? Oh. We're, we're going to get to it. We're, we're, Good. We're I was hoping. It. I was yeah. waiting. Okay. So uh, are we there? We we're we're, we're there. Uh, you can find me <laughs> at Yates Comedy Y A T E S Comedy on social media, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all of the things. And if you would like, you can buy hot sauce for me at hahahotsauce.com. And we also do wedding favors. Martina, take it away. There were these little, what were they, an ounce or? Yeah, a little over an, an ounce. An ounce and a half, a little over yeah. an ounce. Um, and he had the label guy put on the label. It was, it says, ha ha hot sauce. And then it says Ben and Martina laughing their way through life. <gasps> Dang. And it was perfect. It was perfect for our wedding because like we laugh constantly, my husband and I. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, and we had barbecue for our wedding because why not you know yeah. brisket and chicken and they were just like the perfect favors and people got to use them right there and take them home with them and we got so many compliments it <gasps> was the best idea it was genius dave oh my gosh i love oh my god if i went to a wedding okay if i went to a wedding and they gave me hot sauce i would be like worth the dress and shoes thank mm. you yeah because what do you usually get at a wedding i don't know Boys. like a a thing they do cup sometimes or a thing like a, a, tiny, bo a tiny bottle of champs yeah or a little yeah. some sort of chocolates or, or anything yeah, but yeah like bubbles, a little chocolate thing bubbles. or bubbles yeah. like whatever yeah yeah, yeah. Bag, bags hot of sauce cocaine, laced with fentanyl <laughs> <laughs> this wedding's a party um oh my gosh uh okay i love that and you can find me at Anna V is fun. That's Anna with two N's on Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias, TikToks come at me. Um, also, uh, you can go to my website, AnnaValenzuela.com to get to all of those things. And if you want to get a hold of this podcast, you can find us at 12Q Pod on all the social medias, the Gmails, the everythings. Um, you can find us on our anchor page. That's um, anchor FM slash forward slash uh, 12q pod um apple podcast we need apple. some reviews and some ratings guys we want yes. to be of service to more people so yes if you're listening now, please even if you don't use apple podcast go leave a review and a rating for us uh because in doing so all these platforms push us in front of more people so if you would like us to be heard by more people and more people we could potentially help please subscribe rate and review yeah and also tell your 
you know, tell people in your life. We, we're we're to tell your friends, uh, tell your enemies, tell your friends, especially tell your enemies, um, because there is I, I have to tell you, this is a positive conversation. That's in comedy. There's a lot of negative conversation out there uh, that you can mm. consume. But we we out here in these streets trying to have a co- positive conversation. I'm so great. You guys that. are amazing at like bringing out information of people. Like you're amazing at like culling and crafting stories. Oh, thank you. And that's important. That's a great service to recovery or people pursuing recovery because having the difficult conversations is one of our best skills. Yep. You know, we we it, don't stay sober if we can't do that. Look, and and you guys are at the amazing end of the day, at doing that. At the end of the day, uh, I, I I truly believe that what we're doing is important and not in an egotistical mm. way, uh, in an all-encompassing, give as, as many windows into recovery as possible. Um, you know, as, especially like, you know, there's talk of like 12-step literature, uh, you know, changing pronouns to people to be mm. more inclusive. And like, yeah. I just, I want this to be, even if it helps you get through one day, I, I want it to be as... Uh, wide a net as we can cast with as many voices and paths to recovery as possible. I got yeah. spotted in a meeting. Somebody was like, hey, I love your podcast. I was like, what? Fame. I was like, oh, we're doing it, guys. <laughs> so anyway, Martina, how we end this podcast every time is if nobody's told you this today, we love you. Love you, Martina. Aw, I love you. Thank you. Dave, if nobody's told you this today, we love you. Oh, man. Okay. All right. And if you're listening to this and nobody's told you this today, (laughs) folks, we love you. We love you, everybody. Bye. Bye. Love you guys.